The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Got to spin up the uh, hyperdrive here. Yes, spinning up the hyperdrive. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else we feel like talking about. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we're going to talk about uh, some ways if you might be moving or getting the end to redecorate because you've been in your apartment all year and how you might be able to do that without actually having to go out and do a lot of shopping. And we, we have some news. And news. I believe, though, to, to, to start us off, though, El Kaiser, you have some thoughts on a, a recent television series you've been watching, right? I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Have you watched His Dark Materials yet? based on the Philip Pullman books, the Golden Compass books. I, I was a fan of the book trilogy and not a fan of the 2007 attempted movie adaptation. Oh, that was an, that was an abomination. That but, was a but yes, horror show. Yeah, I, I, we spit on the floor. Yes. But uh, I have watched both seasons of the, uh, I believe it's an HBO and BBC joint combo adaptation that's uh, been streaming HBO, on HBO yes. Max. Yes. Yes, I, I, I'm familiar, so you, you shan't spoil me on this one. Excellent. Well, the, the bottom line is, just cutting right to the chase, I'm digging it very much. And on top of that, I finally got my daughter into it because I've been pushing her for years to read the books. And, you know, I realized, well, you know what? They're really not YA. At least the first three in the trilogy. I know they have the the first three books in the trilogy. What did they call it? The Golden Compass here, but I think they called it His Dark Materials. It was called the Northern Lights, I believe. Northern in the Lights. UK, That's right. His Dark That's Materials right. was the umbrella the term for the three. Overarching, right? Yeah. Right, so yeah, right. the Golden Compass, the Subtle Knife, and the Ember Spyglass were the three. And then since then, he's done two others in a a second trilogy. Right. And there's a book of novellas too. But yeah, yeah. He's got some I like some Northern ones. Lights better than Golden Compass. It's so on the nose, Golden Compass, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like, know if it was a marketing thing, but, but you're right though. They're not, even though they've been marketed as children's books, he's basing the whole thing on Milton's Paradise Lost. Oh uh, yeah, which absolutely. Which is not really your, your most YA-centric thing, but it's got a really strong female protagonist uh, who's leading Very the strong. adventure. Several. Let's be honest. Several yeah. strong female protagonists. At least a TV show. I don't remember the book being as focused on so many strong female characters. I know Lyra, the main character, obviously. But the TV show. I mean, let's be honest. Ruth Wilson. Oh, yes. Plays Mrs. Coulter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could watch her read the phone book now. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, you know, the arch of that eyebrow. and, and I'd pay big money. She's brilliant. Excellent casting. But we'll get into casting more in a little bit. But the thing about the Pullman books is if you're even remotely religious or consider yourself a part of, and I use air quotes here, the church, you're not going to like the show too much. He, he's got some things to say about he's organized got, religion. He's got issues. Yeah, he's got issues with organized religion. So just be prepared if you're going into this. If you're easily offended about stories that are anti-big religion, I would skip this. And I certainly wouldn't read the books. But it's handled in a fantasy. You know, you've got talking polar bears, for gosh sakes. Yeah, you with know? armor. Yeah, With armor. Yorick is awesome, by the way. Totally. Totally awesome. Let's just, you know, let's just state that for a fact. I love the first season. Second season, it got COVID. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And in, in the sense that they got affected, their production schedule clearly got affected by the pandemic. Episodes were shorter. 
the story was kind of stilted. They didn't really weave the mystery together like they did in the first season. The thing I loved about the first season of the show was that I read the book many years ago, the books many years ago, and I had trouble like, okay, wait a minute, what the heck's going on here? You know, it was a really intense and elaborate mystery thing going on. Well, they threw that great curveball, too, where they did not stick to the linear boundaries of each novel. They interwove elements from the second book into the first season that was mostly about the first book. So it, it really helped advance the story. So you didn't like, oh, here's the first book, tick, tick, boom, done, and then we're going to the second season. Like, they, they kind of kept you on the hook for introducing these new characters uh, from, from the second novel in the series and, and pulling you along. But anyway, continue. And let me tell you, the end of the first season was devastating. I'm not going to give any spoilers, but just absolutely devastating. Just be prepared. It sounds a little weird because you're you're talking about people with demons, and that's D-A-E-M-O-N-S, and essentially they're they're your soul represented in animal form. And I mean, I guess comparable to the Patronus in in you know Harry Potter, but tech wise graphic-wise, CGI-wise, it's just unbelievable how realistic these animals are. So much so that you really start feeling for these characters. I easily forgot that they were computer-generated images, just completely forgot and got so sucked into the fact that this is a reality that when there was anything remotely emotional or dangerous or whatever happening to these demons, it really affected me like they were a regular character. Most of the time when I'm dealing with CGI-generated characters, even with Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, as fantastic as that was, it didn't look realistic. You could tell, well, you know, look at the guy's size of his hands, his eyeballs. How could his eyeballs be that yeah, big? There's always a that hobbit. jaggy yeah. piece of rendering that, Correct. that makes it stand out. Well, and I think that in the first season... His dark materials that they got a little pushback because you didn't see the demons as a lot. I don't know if they're trying to save on the CGI budget. And then the second season comes around and they're much more in the story and very fluid. And there's much more interaction between the humans and their their demons throughout. So, so I think that they sort of either took that to heart or they kind of figured out the best way to really uh, incorporate the demons into the scene. But even the rendering of Yorick, the, pan, uh, the, the polar bears, uh, the, the battle bears. You know, it was just amazing, even down to the, the the hair, the fur, and the way Yorick ran and the other polar bears ran. It was just amazing to me. I don't know what kind of budget they had, but obviously they didn't use BBC money for this. I'm pretty sure they used HBO money for this. Yeah, yeah. No, because, looking for that next big series. Oh, man. It's just fantastically. The special effects are absolutely fantastic. But when it comes to casting... All right. Yes, where's your beef? You know, Hamilton, okay. Hamilton was good. You know, Lin-Manuel was perfect in Hamilton. That was his thing. I wasn't necessarily a big fan, but he was woefully miscast. Lin-Manuel Miranda was woefully miscast. Let's be honest. It yeah, should have been I think they were capitalizing on his him. name. And, and I, I love him you know, as an actor. He He's not the guy with the biggest range. I mean, In the Heights was really his his big debut musical, and that was brilliant because that was his life. And then he figured out, you know, how to make Hamilton be this universal thing. But he's playing a Texas aeronaut uh, in the the HBO Lee series. Scoresby. One bit of, of not horrible casting from the movie version. They had Sam Elliott do that. Sam Elliott, who anytime you see a cowboy in a movie, it's usually Sam Elliott. And he played the part in, in the 2007 film, and he was 
you know, Sam Allied Cowboy, but he, but he kind of fit the way that, that the Lee Scoresby character was depicted in the books. And Lin-Manuel had the look down. He had like the leather and he had the Indiana Jones hat, which I think was a little great Easter egg there. He had some great boots. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the very earnest, soulful eyes. But God love him, the man cannot do a Texas accent and, and sustain it. Um, and he also seemed to be a little bit hamstrung by the script, which kind of didn't quite know what to have him do in certain scenes. They wanted Claire to keep him in because he's Lin-Manuel Miranda and we want to uh, see him on screen, but compared to the books, it seems like he was a, at a little bit of a loss in the second season. It, he was better in the first season with, with where he was supposed to be and what he's doing, but he would just kind of pop up and not have a whole lot to do uh, in the second one uh, for, for long stretches of screen time. Oh, real, real long stretches. And I also found it a little difficult to buy how quickly he became this father figure for Lyra. It was just like, okay, I love her now. You know, all right, when that, well, how did that happen? Yeah, we really didn't see it. A relationship began yeah. to sort of organically develop there exactly. in those previous Did, scenes. Didn't see anything. I mean, but, you know, all right, well. And that could have been bad editing. Maybe they'd done hours and hours of bonding and, you know, on the cutting room floor. Yeah, but overall, I give it a high recommend. Definitely watch this, especially if you're a fan of the books. And if, you're, and if you've got a bad taste because of the 2007 film, just forget it. This is a lot of fun. It's a roller coaster. There's some great performances. If you like epic bad guys, Mrs. Coulter, Ruth Wilson is just brilliant. You know, you hate her. You just hate her. Yeah, and and the way that that mother-daughter dynamic, oh, yeah. which you, you've probably never been in a mother-daughter dynamic relationship no, but directly. I see. I'm, I'm yeah, seeing you live it. with one, yes, but, exactly. um, but but that all of that angst and that sort of rebellion and need for independence and a lot of the things that just are innate to that relationship they really surface and and you see it sort of on this top level in this fantasy environment but but it's very well depicted particularly in the first season i thought and just very you know oh yeah i remember feeling like that like he they capture uh, this this sort of angsty feelings uh, that you get and again ruth wilson is just amazing i mean if you loved her in luther you'll or i think she played a serial killer there but but you know she's just got this beautiful ability to switch between completely open and warm and inviting, and then, like you were, she's going to stab you. Yeah, and it's one of the few characters that you don't know what they're going to do next. There's no broadcasting, there's no telegraphing, no idea what she's going to do next, and that's great television. Great television. And, that you know, Professor X is in it too, but he comes in for like two minutes, he says some stuff, and then he goes off. Yeah, he, so. he didn't have much to do in the, in the second Macable. season at all. Yeah. And, uh, but but it, it's, and it, it visually, it does a wonderful job of depicting all of the various worlds that Pullman had in the books. I mean, this is sort of high fantasy. And, and you know, yes, yes, he's an atheist, and you're not going to get those allegories like you'd get in C.S. Lewis and the Narnia stuff, which were clearly one-to-one the other direction. But he's created a very rich world, and, and this HBO BBC series manages to really make that work on the screen, I thought. And, oh, I forgot, badass witches. Oh, yes, you got a lot oh, of witches. Man. Badass witches. Anyway. Is there any news? I would imagine there's some There might news. be some news. And, and you know, it's, it's been sort of thin in the news department the past year because a lot of things uh, got very quiet and it was all mostly shack-wacky work-from-home stories and, and people sort of getting by. But it's been ages since we've had some fun product news to share. So, so let's uh, start off with a look at the new stuff. Oh, we have some product announcements. Yeah, yeah. Pe- people are starting to have new products. I guess the supply chain, in most cases, ha- has gotten a little busier, and they've been able to uh, 
designing get products out and people are, are maybe feeling because the economy is, is coming back a little bit. They're feeling like people might actually be able to afford to buy them now. So, so yeah, it's starting to have a, a whiff of optimism that we have not seen in, in about a year or so. But, uh, but we'll kick things off Roku, you know, the maker Roku, of, yeah. uh, of fun little streaming uh, widgets. Recently announced a new 4K streaming box creatively called the Roku Express 4K+. Plus. This new model is due to start shipping in May and will replace the Roku Premiere model. Now, uh, true to its name, it will stream the 4K video and also support HDR10 and HDR10+, Plus, uh, and it's going to be running an upgraded processor. But it doesn't fully level up to include the Dolby Vision HDR and the Dolby Atmos audio that the very high-end blue-chip uh, Roku Ultra model uh, sports. But uh, the Roku Express 4K Plus is only just $40, though. So for 40, 40 bucks. bucks. Wow. Uh, it also comes with a voice remote, supports Apple's AirPlay 2 and HomeKit for direct streaming, and Siri, uh, the home app, uh, so you can sort of integrate it if you've got a partial Apple ecosystem going there. You can control it from your iOS device or your Mac. So Roku is, is rolling out some new hardware. They also announced a, a fancy optional voice remote called the Roku Voice Remote Pro. Oh, Pro. Of course. When you put Pro after it, it yes, makes you can it charge good. more. Yes. yes. <laughs> you can charge more, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so they've got that and also an update to the uh, Smart Soundbar, I guess, uh, which is now called the Streambar Pro. Okay. For your better audio experience there. And they're uh, upgrading their system software across their devices as well to the Roku OS 10 or whatever they're up to now. So, so Roku is ready for uh, the next wave of uh, home streaming now. You, you've been inside for a year, but... Maybe it's time to come out, upgrade your stuff, get ready for the fall season. So so that's Roku. Spotify also announced Spotify. a bit of add-on hardware uh, for your automobile dashboard, should you oh. indeed have an automobile with a dashboard. Interesting. And now, it's it's called Car Thing. I guess they that's maybe a real that bad tested name. well. Car Thing. That's a real bad name. It could be, wow. a, it could be kind of a variety, of, but, but it's basically a small voice-controlled smart player meant to complement your existing entertainment system by adding Spotify playlists, podcasts, and more. Uh, it's also got a, a knob on it for navigating the content if you don't want to do the voice thing. So you kind of got that big, like, AM radio dial. Nice. And uh, the device rides along uh, the wireless connection from your phone. I believe that's how it's doing uh, the streaming there. It's compatible with uh, the Android Auto system as well as Apple's CarPlay. And the, the little car thing is in limited release now, uh, but the price is said to be around 80 bucks when, when it rolls out wide. So it's just basically this little thing you stick on your dashboard and you can pretty much Spotify your car's entertainment system. Oh, my wife's going to buy that. I guarantee you. Or I'm going to, truth to tell, I will buy it for my wife. Yes. So, so, uh, the, and I, I will put a link to the car thing page on Spotify's website so you can. Nice. Uh, Birthday gift. There you go. Now, uh, Microsoft also announced an update to its laptop line. Uh, so really? Hardware is just coming out. Uh, it's called the Surface Laptop 4. Uh, it'll have a choice of an AMD or an Intel processor, choice of a 13.5 or 15 inch screen, uh, new colors to choose from, and better battery life. Uh, the AMD model starts at around 1000 bucks. And orders will start shipping on April 15th. And uh, for those of you uh, working from home now for the foreseeable future, the Redmond Giant is also releasing a couple of other products here. This is another piece of hardware from the Department of Obvious Names. Uh, it's called Modern Webcam. And yes, it is a 1080p webcam for $70. The other gadget is the $100 Modern USB-C speaker. Uh, Self-explanatory name there again. Uh, it's an omnidirectional thing with microphones and background noise cancellation to improve the audio quality of your 
remote calls. Uh, it's designed uh, mostly for meetings uh, with the Microsoft Teams app for those who, who don't use Zoom, don't use Slack, don't use one of the other communications devices. Uh, this is Microsoft Teams Center. So like you can probably use it with other stuff, but the omnidirectional microphones for your meeting there. For your meeting pleasure. Apple outsourced its announcement uh, for its next product unveiling to Siri. If you have a Siri-enabled device and you ask it, when is the next Apple event? The software will tell you that it's April 20th out in Cupertino, California, and that you can find more details by hiking it over there to apple.com. Cat's out of the bag now. But if you still, I, I asked her a while ago, and then and, because and I, I have Irish voice Siri on <laughs> <laughs> and, and she said it was indeed April 20th. Uh, the event itself is called Spring Loaded, which, uh, depending on uh, your ideas about spring break, could bring something else to mind. I assume the, the their spring is loaded with hot new products. And Siri does not blab what's going to be unveiled there, but insiders are expecting the long-rumored AirTag trackers, you know, those little Bluetooth oh, yeah. ads for finding yep. lost objects. Yep. And uh, new iPad Pro models. I think there's a hint of a, an, an update to the 12.9-inch uh, one. Oh, interesting, because I was almost ready to pull the trigger on a new iPad, so yeah, I think so I'm going to wait. You should wait till 420 and, and see what Apple is going to show you. 420. Ah, nice. Yes, yeah, so nice. they could have had so many name options there. But the rumor chasers over at Bloomberg, who are very good at finding out what Apple's doing before Apple's ready to tell anybody, uh, they're reporting another Apple product in the works. It could be way back in the lab. Uh, we don't know. But it's uh, supposedly sometime in the near future. It's described as a combination Apple TV with a HomePod speaker and would also have a camera for video conferencing through a connected TV and be able to do some smart home chores. And it's going to have Siri voice control. So it's kind of a Frankenbox at this point. Wow. There is nothing about that description that makes me want to actually get this thing. And it's got a can opener. But it would, <laughs> it would show uh, Apple uh, coming back. Remember, they, they discontinued the big original HomePod speaker? Yes. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. the 300, whatever it was. The, the little round one, the, the tennis ball size one, I think, uh, for 99 bucks is still in stores. But the big one that many people thought was a little overpriced and underpowered has been discontinued. So Wait a minute. An Apple product that is overpriced? I'm shocked. I know. That never happens. Never happens. So I don't know when, when the, the this hybrid thing would come about, if, it, if it's actually real. But it, it would, you know, give Apple TV gamers a better sound system, if anything. Yeah, that's true. You know, if you had a, the, the big HomePod speaker there. But again, this is that one guy who used to work at 9to5Mac, uh, Mark Gurman, who went over to Bloomberg, and he's still getting all the inside scoops. And so so this is uh, coming from him. Work at his sources. He, he's got a pretty good track record, too. Oh, he does. Meanwhile, over in the land of discontinued Google products, uh, the Big G is pulling the plug on the Google Play Movies and TV app on the Roku and LG, Samsung, and Vizio TVs by June 15th. This is the app that's built into those particular TV platforms. And so they're going to push users who perhaps purchase things uh, through Google Play Movies. Uh, they're, they're pushing them all over to YouTube. They can watch your stuff there. The Google Play credits will still be used at the YouTube app, and uh, all of their library content, I guess, can be accessed through YouTube. The entire Google Play Movies and TV store itself is not shutting down just the app for these four TV platforms. But as uh, Google has announced, they've got this thing called Google TV, and that, that's pretty much, I think, going to phase out Google Play Movies and TV. So, so they're, they're cleaning up some of the older products lying around. Now, speaking of Google, the privacy-minded Brave browser has announced that it will be disabling Google's third-party cookie alternative. You know how third-party cookies attract people or, or uh, getting sort of phased out. And Google's replacement, this has been a little bit in the news, but, but not a lot, is called 
Federated Learning of Cohorts, or Flock for short. Who thinks up these names? God. Brave does not really like Flock because it feels that the software is tracking users uh, without their consent. Wait, wait, wait. So we can say no flocking way? Oh, I think we can. I think oh, we can say it lots. Yes. Yes. So uh, the, the, the brave folks, I think this was a privacy researcher and, and the CEO, they published a post on their site. There's a subhead there called A Step in the Wrong Direction. And they explain, quote, Flock is a recent Google proposal that would have your browser share your browsing behavior and interest by default with every site and advertiser with which you interact. No, no flocking way. Yes, yes, uh, yes, there you go. Uh, Brave opposes Flock along with any other feature designed to share information about you and your interests without your fully informed consent. To protect Brave users, Brave has removed Flock in the nightly version of both Brave for desktop and Android, end quote. Now, Google claims that Flock is privacy improving compared to third-party cookies. I don't think that's a direct comparison, though, with the way those two things work. So they, they are rolling this out. But the DuckDuckGo search engine uh, also has a Flock blocker extension uh, for Chrome, which many users have also said, well, if Google is making this browser and they're putting this flock right in the Chrome, then Chrome is actually not good for your privacy either. And I think that's been sort of a feeling uh, with some advocates for, for a while now. So, uh, yeah, so, so we'll see uh, if, if the flock blockers are going to really take flight here. I'm going to have to get flocking all over the place here mm-hmm. now. Yeah, now you got to go through and audit your stuff and like, where, where am I getting flocked here? I got to, yeah, I got to deflock and unflock. Mm-hmm. Flock block. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's another darn thing you have to deal with. This is annoying. This is why the internet is starting to really annoy me. I mean, Apple's no angel in certain departments, no, but their Safari not. browser shows you how many privacy trackers it's knocking down. They've actually taken a little bit of a page from, from Brave. I mean, I've used the Brave browser before, and it's you sort of realize how deeply you are tracked around the web when you look at the dashboard on all oh, of Brave yeah. and just see all of the things that was disabled from chasing you around the internet. I'm actually staring at it right now. Yeah. Also in Google News, more than 500 Alphabet employees have released an open letter to demand Google stop protecting those accused of harassment within the company. The letter arrived two days after a former Google engineer, Emmy Netfield, Netfeld, I believe, uh, she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times alleging that she was forced to have one-on-one meetings with the man who harassed her at Google and sit next to him in the office even after she filed a complaint with the HR department. And I'll post a link to to the op-ed because it was actually very moving because she also talks about how she'll never think of a company as like her all-protecting source anymore. It's like it's just a job, which I think is a, a, a big thing to, to kind of uh, come to realization about. So two days after this op-ed appears, at the Alphabet employees release this letter. Now, the letter demands that, number one, Google strip harassers of their direct reports, ensuring that no harasser should manage or lead a team – and second, it wants that uh, Google should force harassers to change teams if the claims are verified so that the harassed employees don't have to work alongside their harasser. You know, common sense in the real world, but the tech world is something else. So I've not heard of Google's response to this, but uh, again, it was a really powerful editorial uh, that she wrote. Now, uh, as we discussed during the last episode, Amazon workers were having a vote about whether or not to form a union in an Alabama fulfillment center. And yeah. the outcome was like, no, there were not <laughs> enough votes to form a union. Denied. Yes. Yeah, so Denied. Amazon avoids a brush with organized labor this time anyway. And Jeffy Kisses made about a billion dollars a day in the last week. So, you know, yeah. That's, yeah, how we, so that's how he rolls. That was the result of that Amazon vote. The pandemic's kink in the supply chain has led to a chip shortage and a 60-week delay in orders for internet routers. What this means is if a broadband provider runs out of routers, 
it could stop it from adding new subscribers, like, say, people who are moving cross-country because they don't need to live where they used to anymore, or they're working from home more and they need a new router, and maybe there's not going to be any routers available. Supplies are expected to be tight for the next six months. I guess they're trying to source new components and whatever, but... They have said that the orders are really backed up from these broadband providers who are trying to get gear oh, uh, for their companies. And finally. And finally. Spring has indeed sprung and more people are vaccinated and out and about and reading their phones as they walk around in the bright sunshine. For those who need a reminder to watch where they're going, the digital well-being app built into Android is rolling out a heads-up alert feature that reminds you to get your face out of your phone. However, a disclaimer in the app states, Heads up, doesn't replace paying attention. <laughs> so the first thing I thought of when I thought this is, okay, people actually need someone to tell them to quit looking on their phones. But also maybe Heads Up needs a little New York City voiceover to make it more effective about, hey, meatwad, look up. Yes. Hey, doofus. Let me do it. I want to do it. I yeah, want to do I, the voiceover. I, I, I thought you would be the perfect voice for Heads Up, especially, the, you know, just to have it like geofence in New York City area. You get the Al Kaiser voice, you know, just sensing, you know, when you're in motion and maybe when the phone's up while you're walking, you know, because the pedometer can tell when the phone's in motion and when the phone is in the reading position and then just let loose, you know, every couple of seconds. Yes. I want to be the voice. Yeah, have you ever been at the corner and they have the talking like walk buttons? Oh, yeah, tell yeah. You, walk, walk, wait, wait. I want to be the voice that says, what are you waiting for? Go already. Move your butt. Move yeah. your butt. Do you want an invitation? <laughs> I think you, I think there is such an opportunity because you could I do swear, the, the walk it. and wait signs. You could do yes. the digital well-being. You could yes. do the subway announcements, which are far too polite, quite yeah, frankly. Mayor, mayor Yang. Oh, no, he's not. He's not. Not yet. yet. Right? Not yet. All right. Well, you know, whoever's mayor now, get to me. Okay. You know where to reach me. Yeah. His, Hoptickjam.com. His, his line on. is open, you know. Yes. My DMs are open. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's been a quick look at the, the news and all the new stuff that we can think about potentially buying, except for maybe a router. For uh, all those out there who want to know more about the things we discussed in this news segment, you can find a page of links at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're going to talk about, oh, decorating an apartment with some virtual reality apps. Mel Kaiser. Yes. Yes, we, we've both been, and then we've, as we've whinged incessantly, uh, been sort of at home for the past year. But things are, are sort of opening up a little bit, and, and maybe not particularly with the two of us, but I'm starting to see a lot of moving trucks in the neighborhood. People are relocating because they realize, A, I don't need to work in the city where my office is at. Maybe I've got a sweet, flexible remote work deal now. There's more moving in the country. Also, things are, you know, help happening with vaccinations and maybe we're not as, as locked down and isolated as we used to be. But there there is some definitely some real estate going on. People are, are moving, they're buying, they're selling. All of this is going on. And if you are one of the ones out there who you are getting ready to move to an apartment, and maybe it's you saw a video tour online and you just rented it or you snuck in, you know, well, when we were in the height of the pandemic and, and took your tour You've got this apartment, so now you got to figure out how to get all your stuff over there, or you're getting ready to go apartment hunting, and, and you want to make sure that you can do as much of that sort of figuring out where everything's going to go ahead of time. To help you with that, I took a look at some of the apps that you can use on your smartphone, a lot of them augmented reality, to kind of help. And these are not the the completely 
accurate down to the micron sort of measuring apps or whatever. But they give you an idea of, oh, this, you know, nine foot couch is not going to fit in the six foot living room. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, so, gives, you, it gives you a general idea yeah, of so you, what's going on. So you on. don't go out and waste a lot of money on stuff that's not going to fit. And, and this really works better if you are in, you're getting ready to go out and search. Although you can, if you took a lot of photos, you can do some of it uh, retroactively. But but say you're going to go out and you're going to some apartments and you're working uh, trying to find like the perfect spot for you. And one of the things that people do uh, when, when they look at spaces, they take a lot of photos and they measure. You want to see how wide the doorway is. Can I get stuff through? How big is the living room? What size couch can I get? What size bed can I fit in the bedroom? Uh, and if you forget to bring your your trusty rolly tape measure there and a notebook, uh, which is really the cheapest way to, to gather this information. Absolutely. You can uh, sort of make doing a pinch with the measuring app on your smartphone, uh, Apple's Measure app for iOS and Google's equally creatively named Measure tool for Android. Uh, use the phone's <laughs> camera and augmented reality technology to calculate the distance between objects. The Google one particularly will tell you, oh, you know, this is this – is, Accurate up to two inches or whatever. So, again, don't use this to try to do really precise dimensions. But if you just want to get an idea of the, of the general space you're working with, you can use these apps and, and you basically you open up the measure app. It has a camera. You tap where you want to start measuring. Then you move the, the camera over. You tap where you want to stop measuring and then tells you basically what the distance is. Low light and other factors can affect the accuracy. Uh, so, again, this is just a general thing, but it's just to give you an idea of how high your ceilings are and how much art can we fit on the wall. And there's also a number of room scanning apps, which I think contractors tend to use these, but they basically are these apps that you load. Uh, AR Plan 3D is one, Magic Plan is another. You open up this app, and then it just has you move your phone or your tablet along the perimeter of the room, and it captures all of the information there and converts it to a floor plan for you. These aren't free by any means, but they're not super expensive. It's like $10 a month if you're, you know, using Magic Plan or something. But they can save you the time of, like, having to go around and measure every little thing. If you just want to, like, whip your tablet around the room and, and get an idea, then they'll have you, like, tap at a corner. So it's got some kind of anchor points to work with. It, it can give you a, a reasonably pain-free floor plan. And some contractors use these as part of their work when, when they're renovating the space. So, so they do have some professional cred there. So measuring apps are one thing. And uh, one thing that people often forget to measure, especially if you're moving into a New York City apartment, measure the building staircases, the hallways, the elevator cars, the main doors, because you want to find out on moving day that even if your couch will fit into the apartment, it can make the turn on the stairs. It can make it through the apartment door. Uh, I've had to turn a couch away because it, it couldn't do one of those things. So have I. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so, a lot so of these little brownstones and some in the old Italian neighborhood, they had these things called coffin corners, which is a very descriptive thing where they had a little notch sculpted out of the corner to get a coffin down the stairs. So, yeah, older housing stock tends to be a little less friendly in terms of space. So you got to measure you know, no matter how you do it, Stanley Power Lock or your phone. Figure out how much space you're working with. Um, and then once you get all those numbers, you can map your home. And there are a number of 2D and 3D design apps where you can just start punching in the measurements for the rooms or like the, the length of the apartment. And then once you sort of see the amount of space you've got to work with, you can flip that into a 3D model. A lot of these apps like Planner 5D or Home Design 3D let you build the walls. You can even add a little texture. You can put in these sort of stop objects like, oh, I'm going to put a coffee table here and a couch here. And you can start doing some interior decorating within the app just to give yourself an idea of what will fit, what will go where. This can be helpful, too, when you've got movers coming in because you don't have want to have them running the couch all over the living room. You say, put it here against the wall we measured, and that's where it's going to go. 
even if you're doing like a renovation, you're not moving, but you're just going to redo the bedroom or something because you can put like wallpaper and fixtures and paint in on there. It can kind of give you an idea of what this might look like without having to go out and have a contractor tell you. So it gives you a better idea of what you want to ask for. That's pretty cool. And they're just fun to play with too. Like if you, if you like to play with, you know, miniatures, uh, having a, a tiny version of your apartment is, is quite of cool. Painting and decorating uh, is also something that you tend to do when you're moving in or if you're renovating. There's a lot number of paint apps. Benjamin Moore makes one, Sherwin-Williams, Home Depot's got one. Because color is such a malleable topic, it's affected by the light in the room, your device that you're using. I would not use a, a painting app for anything super specific. What you can do is download like the Benjamin Moore app or or the Sherwin-Williams, and it shows you their paint palette, and you can either digitally paint the wall to sort of see what it would look like in Utah sky blue, or if you're trying to decide, well, should we do the kitchen in green or yellow? It can help you make some basic decisions. Don't use it like a paint chip where you really want to see this at, at you know four times in the day just to see how the light is going to catch it throughout the day. It's not going to be that accurate, but it can be good for your more general decisions. It's like, no, yellow would look stupid in the kitchen. Let's go with green. Is Utah blue a real color? It is. I think it's a Sherwin Williams. It's one of their, yeah, some of these paint colors too, like grandma's sweater. I think my favorite one was poised taupe. And I'm oh. like, okay, well, I, I want to see like unpoised. I'm gonna, yeah, I want sloppy. I want to say hot mess taupe, but um, yeah, yes, hot mess. Yeah, but that's what poised I want. taupe, uh, which is very sort of austere color. And and sometimes you know a painting app's just fun to, to play with for the names, soft fern green. So uh, color is, again very subjective, impacted by a number of factors, uh, including the light and the quality of your phone screen. So so don't use it for anything super accurate, but for your general purpose. You know, what color family do we want to go with? Not bad for that. Finally, if you know you have to buy some new pieces of furniture or you want to check your old stuff and and get new stuff anyway just to treat yourself because you're moving, but you're not quite sure, will this look right? And I don't feel like going out and shopping. Maybe I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I don't want to go to a furniture store and have people breathe on me. A lot of the apps out there will let you do AR furniture. Amazon's got a, like, see-in-my-room feature, Wayfair it doesn't work on every product, but for a lot of the popular ones, you can tap on, like, say, a table or a chair and do the view in my room or view in your room, I think is, is what they call it. And it, it puts a little 3D object and, and you look at your phone, you know, through this app, it's using the camera and it'll project this table or chair right where you just think you may want to put it. Uh, and then you can uh, take a screenshot of it or take a photo. And of course, because you're using a, a furniture app, they will offer to sell you that item right there if you decide you like the way that it looks in your spot. Ikea's got one too. Those can help you if you're doing little accent pieces. or And, and I wouldn't, again, use these because depending on how you've sized it, it may not be completely accurate for how much space this object is going to take up. But you can decide if, if this chair by the window is, is going to look nice or will it be annoying? And well, I always have to remember to shut the window so the chair doesn't get wet when it rains. You know, that, that kind of stuff. It starts you thinking down those paths of where you want to position your furniture pieces. And, and there are just tons of home decorating apps that will help you out there uh, house and build with Ferguson. Use the augmented reality uh, so you can place objects there. And again, it's just a, a few taps away to buy this stuff from some of these companies. So if you are moving or redecorating and want to do some of that uh, work up front on your phone uh, before you get really into the weeds and, and you've got movers running all over, I'll post a link to this guide here if you just want to see some of the apps, uh, what they look like, and where you can find them. 
And you can find this link itself on our show page at poptechjam.com. And I think we, we've, we've done talked ourselves out this week, haven't we? I think we have. I think we've done talked ourselves out. I think we got to thank the bros, though. I think we do. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. And thank you, listeners. Uh, we hope everyone is doing uh, well out there. And uh, whether it's uh, spring or fall in your hemisphere, uh, we hope you're enjoying the weather and taking care of yourselves. Yes, indeed. Yes. And so until next time when we are back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. You want to go paint some walls? Digitally. Utah Blue. <laughs> <laughs>